ready for kingdom news. That's what we've been talking about, the kingdom of God. Amen? God is about his kingdom. I I, I think I'm beginning to see as I've I've taught this series and and, uh, I kind of think kind of think that we're probably done with this for the time being uh, in this service. I mean, it may not be. I mean, I may minister some more of it next Sunday, but it's been a, it's been something as in in the last year or so as, as I've spent time on this, on this subject, how many times and how much that Jesus taught his disciples and the people that followed him about the kingdom. It, it was, it, that's, that's all he talked about. I, th- I think there was a, I think they got to a place where, you know, they were thinking, you know, what, what, what is this kingdom thing? You know, I mean, they, you know, you, when you think about where the world was, where the planet was when Jesus came on the scene, people had known nothing but just the religious perspective of God that had been really pretty much watered down through the years because they hadn't seen miracles, they hadn't seen manifestations, no glory, no presence of the glory of God, very little of that uh, over the previous several hundred years. And so all of a sudden Jesus comes on the scene and things begin to happen, but he's teaching them about the kingdom. And um, today I really want to I want to, if this is my last message on this, I really want to leave you with the emphasis that the kingdom of God is God's way of thinking. My definition that we've had in all of these messages is the kingdom of God is the realm in which God is in dominion and his will is fulfilled. And and I've extended that definition to God's way of thinking and doing. And so, every scripture that we read today that has to do with the kingdom, because when you, when you, when you think of the kingdom, you think of the scriptures talking about God setting up something in the, in the material realm. That's what they were thinking when he was talking kingdom in that day, you know, um, there were different sects of the, of the Jewish religion. There were a group called the Zealots, and they were, they were zealous for, you know, and passionate about seeing God's kingdom established. But they saw it more in the natural realm than in the spiritual realm that we're talking about. And today, in this dispensation of time, Jesus isn't coming in the day in which we're living in, I'm talking about in this dispensation, to set up a natural kingdom. It's coming, but it's not in this dispensation of time. So when we talk about governments, we talk about kingdoms. And when Jesus came to the earth and his purpose and plan, Isaiah said the governments, the kingdoms, of this world were on his shoulders. Throughout the history of the world, there's been all kinds of kingdoms and governments. One that's very popular that most people know about is is the Roman government or kingdom that was for a long period of time. I mean, you know, the United States of America, if you consider it as a government or a kingdom, very very infant, you know, in, in, its, in it, the stages of where we're at today, not even 250 years old. You know, the, the Roman kingdom was many hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years that it, that it went on, but it came to an end. And we're going to see some things that we read about concerning the kingdom of God, which is not something that is being established here in the form of a government like we think of, it's changing the way we think so we think like God because His government and His kingdom, the Bible says, and we'll read it in a minute, there's no end to. There's no end to. And I really feel like it's important 
that we separate the fact that we're not talking about something natural. We're talking about something spiritual. Because when it changes spiritual, when your thinking changes, and it lines up with the way God thinks, then the natural things change. But we're not here to fight for a government being established a certain way and call it the kingdom of God or the government of God. When individual people change the way they think, then the governments of God line up with the way God thinks. Or the governments in the natural line up with the way God thinks, is what I was trying to say. So, follow me in Scripture, and I want to show you a couple things. I want to read Luke 12 that we've read, just, I think, every message that we've shared on this. Luke 12 and 29, and he said, Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. And we've talked about this. If you haven't listened to this, go back and listen to some of these messages. I don't have time to, 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 to focus on that again. But what we've said in so many words is when, when what you seek after is just the natural things, it creates anxiety. When you seek after natural things, it creates anxiety. He said, for all, all of these things in the natural, the nations of the world seek after, the governments of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you have need of these things, but seek the kingdom of God. What is that? God's way of thinking and doing. Seek the kingdom. Seek the way God would do something, and all these other things will be added to you. He said, do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you His way of thinking. To give you His way of operating. Can you say amen? I've said this to you before. God knows what you need, and nothing in your life ever surprises God. I'll say it again. He knows what you need. He knows what He's had planned for you, and nothing ever surprises Him when it comes up. And He has an answer for anything that comes up in your life that doesn't line up with His will. But you have to think like Him. I've said this to you in every one of these messages. To live your life to advance the kingdom causes him to be involved in what you are doing on a day-to-day basis. And he said he would pour out to you the things that you need when you seek him first. And it would be without anxiety. No anxiety, no fretfulness, no worry. Can you say amen? If we don't seek the kingdom first, if we're not after him first, then what we do is take him out of the equation, and then you and I are on our own. You're on your own without God. But you and I are in the driver's seat of whether God stays in the equation, in the the mix, or not. He's done everything for us, but we have to choose him. Can you say amen? <clears throat> so, I want to I read today out of Matthew 6, which is the same account as Luke 12, but I want to read a little bit more in it and, and read down to uh, the end of the chapter. <clears throat> but I'm going to start in, in verse 25 of Matthew 6. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, what you drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? You have to answer that question. Are you not worth more than the birds of the air? Consider the lilies of the field. Oh, no, I I missed a verse. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... 
Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, do not worry, saying, do not worry, saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? What am I going to do this? How am I going to pay this? What about this situation or that situation? All these different things. Do not worry, saying. Hell, Pastor, that's easier said than done. That's right. But here is the answer to how you don't worry by saying. In other words, if you're going to worry by saying, then you can do the opposite of worrying. You can have faith and declare what God says is so, right? He said, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first His kingdom or the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and he said, all these things will be added to you. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and he said, all these things will be added to you. God knows you have need of all these things. He knows that. Well, if God knows that I have need of all the things, then why doesn't God just make sure that I have them all? Because he said, you'll never be able to receive the things in life that most people seek after my way if you don't think like me. He said, seek first the kingdom of God, which is God's way of thinking and operating, and all the things in life will be added to you. Now, I want you to think about a couple things regarding this today. Um, What he's saying in this passage is we're to seek the kingdom, not a living. We're to seek a kingdom, his kingdom, not seek a living or how to make a living. I want you to think for a moment how much time in life that you spend every day preparing for things, cleaning things, organizing things, preparing for the next meal. Think of how much time and effort that you spend on natural things. So, Pastor, you're telling us we're not supposed to be concerned about any of the natural things. I didn't say that. I said that he said that if you will... If you will do whatever it takes for you to know and to understand how he operates in life, he'll make sure that everything you need will come your way and it'll be without anxiety. I mean, you get right down to it, people stress themselves out with so many different things. And when you're taught in life to be responsible for certain things, then we take that on as it's number one in our life. I have to pay my bills. Your credit has to be good. You have to be on time every single time. And that means if you're on time, that means you're 15 minutes early. And no matter, come hell or high water, those things are taken care of. But are you thinking like God? Now, back the truck up just a little bit. Did I say any of those things were wrong? No. But what I am saying that God is saying, if that's where you put your faith and your confidence and all of what you do in life is about what you can accomplish in the natural, now you've limited yourself. Now, follow with me in, 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 in about four passages of Scripture. And I think, I think every one of them, almost all of them are in, uh, in Luke, except for this one, Isaiah 55 and verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth. Somebody tell me how far the distance is from the heavens to the earth. 
We should know exactly how far that is, right? Nobody's got a clue. And it's not just a couple of miles. Notice what he says here. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What are we talking about? The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God about? Thinking like he thinks. He said his thoughts and his ways are higher than the heavens are from the earth. There's a huge distance there. That means there's a lot of work that has to be put into understanding how God thinks. We teach this all the time. If you haven't been here much or you've not heard these, you can go to our, our app and listen to all the messages. But we've got many, many messages that talk about daily routines and establishing that. I can tell you today that the, most, the, the single most important aspect of creating a God culture, a kingdom culture in your life is the confession of God's Word on a daily basis. It is the single most significant piece. It's not the only piece. It's the single most significant piece of establishing a kingdom culture in your thinking. And you will never know that that is possible if you don't begin to develop that and start it and never stop. Only if you never stop will you understand what that, is, that, what that really is and the capacity that God has on the inside of us to live a limitless life. Because we're talking Him. We're talking about His thinking. His way of doing and operating. Follow me in these next four passages. Luke 1 and verse 30. Then the angel said to her, this is about Mary and, and um, what the angel was telling her about um, being impregnated with, with Jesus. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, now, we have to interchange kingdom with way of thinking here that opens the door to something that's a little bit more. There is no end to God's government, His kingdom, when we think like Him. There's no end to it. I'll say it like this. There's no limit to God's kingdom being established in the earth, in me, in you, when I change the way I think. Hmm. There's no end. There's no limits. Now, they get, you know, the, the, the church of Jesus Christ needs help with this because through the years, we've all been, everybody gets wrapped up in it. I don't care what, what you do or, or, or what thing you're involved in or whatever, but there is a spirit of competition in the world that the church has gotten connected to. And listen to me, when you're competitive in a negative way, because I, I know I, I was one of those and still am one of those competitive guys, and you know, you gotta, you gotta back the truck up and you know, calm yourself down you know, when you're competitive for certain things. But, but the, the negative part of competition, the way the world thinks, okay, there's no word that has been created ever, the word competition, when you, when you, take the word competition and you connect it to the kingdom, it has a totally different understanding than the, world, the way of the world. 
But in the world, listen, competition equals selfishness. But in the kingdom, you can be competitive and yet rejoice for the advancement of other people. Because we're all in the same. Listen, if there's no limit to the kingdom, and the kingdom has to do with the way of thinking, then there's no limit to what can happen in my life through God, but yet there's no limit to what can happen to your life in God. See, where it's not one of us and not someone else. When you get rid of the pride and you get rid of the selfishness, and what's attached to that many times is self-pity, when you get rid of those things, there's no limits. Because those things hold us back. Because we're competitive with and for and against people created in the image of God. He didn't make us that way. He made us to learn how to rejoice. And you have to practice that every day. Doing the opposite of what the worldly competition wants you to think you have to do. Because you got to, man, you're on your own. See, because that kind of competition isn't in the kingdom. It's not in God's way of thinking. So now you've removed him from the equation and you're on your own. God wants you successful more than you have any idea. But it has to be his way. (laughs) He's adamant about it being his way. He's not going to come over to your way. Oh, God bless this thing. No, he can't. He can't bless a mess. Hmm? But he will deliver you from every mess you've ever gotten yourself into. But you've got to think like him. And where does that start? What do you say in, in Matthew 6? Take no thought saying. Take no thought of worry and fretfulness saying. How am I going to do this? What am I going to do? How am I going to work? Oh, my God. Instead, your words are words of acknowledging his way of thinking and operating. Here's the way God thinks, just in one little area. Well, it's a big area, but it's one, one verse of Scripture that says the way God thinks. The Bible says, in, it, says it about five times, but in, in 1 Peter 2.24, the Bible says, That by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. You can't get away from that. He didn't say we will be. He said we were. And if I was healed 2,000 years ago, then I'm healed today. But I've got to work that out inside of me. And the only way that will begin to happen on the inside of you is you declaring everywhere in the Scripture that talks about that He healed you. There's a scripture that said he sent his word, Jesus, the living word, and healed us. Himself took our infirmities, carried our diseases. By his stripes, we were healed. He did those things for us. See? And all through the scripture, hundreds of healing scriptures, you have to create a daily routine, not when you feel bad, When you're feeling fine, you create that daily routine, reminding yourself every day. And I'm telling you, from the seed of that word comes the revelation to show you God's way of thinking where health and healing is concerned. Listen, listen. It's God has created this thing so simple. But if it was easy, then you wouldn't have to sacrifice and purpose by faith to do things that your head's screaming at and telling you is not true. There's no way it's going to work. No. Everything in God will work if you learn to think the way he thinks. Can you say amen? Luke 4 and verse 5. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain. This is after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. Then he came and he was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. And this is right coming out of it after he had been in the wilderness for 40 days. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. 
How could, how could Satan do that to Jesus? How could he show him all the kingdoms of the world? Because you go back to Genesis 1, God created man, male and female. He created us to have dominion on the earth, and he gave us dominion. In chapter 3 of Genesis, we see where Adam gave that dominion over to Lucifer, over to Satan. He took that. God didn't give it to him. God gave it to Adam, and God never took it back for man. So for 4,000 years, God had a plan that was already devised before Adam and Eve. (laughs) Before the foundation of the world, God already had the plan for your and my redemption. Uh, Pastor, that doesn't make sense. No, God's stuff never makes sense. Hmm. But he had the plan. He liberated us and set us free already. And for 4,000 years, that plan had to be established and carried through. And what it says here is, Satan showed him the kingdoms of the world, and the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you. And he had it at the moment. He had it at the moment. He had the authority to give because actually he deceived and robbed and stole it from Adam and Adam gave it up. And all of its glory, for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. And right there is where your and my redemption started taking form according to what had been prophesied before the foundation of the world. And the way it took form was, Jesus said, what? Oh my gosh, that looks great. I think I'll take it. Thank God he didn't. What did he say? Man shall not live. Well, that was one of the other temptations, but man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That's what he began to do, and that's what works for you today the same exact way. Did you hear me? That's the way it was set up from that moment on, and that's the way we learn to understand the way that God thinks today. Glory be to God forevermore. Luke 4 and 42. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I've been sent. To do what? To preach the kingdom so that the thinking changes. Man, he had his work cut out for him. The Chosen is doing a fabulous job of showing us how that is. If you haven't started watching The Chosen, I encourage you, it's free. Go download their app and go watch the first two uh, seasons. Because they're doing a fabulous job of showing how difficult and what Jesus was stepping into when he started preaching the kingdom. That's what I'm telling you today. He said, I must preach, Jesus said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities because of this purpose I was sent. And he was preaching in the synagogue of Galilee. But he said, I must preach the kingdom of God, God's way of thinking and operating. Luke 9 and verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Verse 6, so they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard all that was done by him. And he was perplexed because it was said 
by some that John had risen from the dead, thinking that Jesus was John risen from the dead. And by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear these things? So he sought to see him. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that had been done. Then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethesda. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. The one thing I don't want you to forget about this whole series is this. When the kingdom of, when the kingdom of God is preached and people take a hold of it and change the way they think, People's bodies are healed. People's minds are healed. People's issues and situations in life become healed. Why? Because their thinking changes. He said he preached the kingdom. He spoke to them about the kingdom and healed those who had need of healing. The kingdom and healing and deliverance go hand in hand. When kingdom revelation becomes a part of people's lives. Can you say amen? amen. Last passage I want to read here, and, and, and it's in the same chapter in Luke 9, starting with verse 57. <clears throat> and it says, <clears throat> Now it happened, verse 57. Before I read that, I want to say this. Everybody in here today, everybody sitting in here today, is a candidate to share and minister God's way of thinking and doing and operating in the earth to other people. And everybody in here today is a candidate of ministering healing to the people you come across. Everybody in here today. You may be sitting in here today and you're not born again. Well, you're just not in position yet to receive it, but God created you to be that type of a person. You know why? Because he created us to be ambassadors for him. I'm going to say it again. Everybody in here today is a candidate to minister and share God's way of thinking and operating in the earth to other people. First and foremost, you have to believe it. And when you're believing it, then your life is an example of what God will do. Then you have the ability in the highways and the byways and everywhere you're at, you have the ability on the job, in, in your families, wherever it is, you have the ability, the anointing, to minister healing to the people around you. And when does that happen? When I have a kingdom culture, when I think like God, I act like God, I respond as God would respond in different situations, that's when not only am I just a candidate, I'm walking in it and operating in it. How many can say amen to that today? Amen. Say, that's me. That's you. Now, I want to end this message today and possibly this series with... This passage that a lot of times I feel like is misunderstood, there's some things I've heard taught out of this, this passage at times that I'm thinking, wow, I don't know where they got that, but anyway. So I want to just give you at least what my interpretation of some things that Jesus says here about the kingdom. And, and I'm, I'm going to read verse 57 through 62. <clears throat> now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. In so many words, I've heard people say that to me many times. 
talking about me as a pastor, like where the church is concerned about being here forever and ever and ever. If I've heard that once, I don't know. I've heard it a bunch of times. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to to another, follow me. So he's talking to these people. These statements are made. But then he says says to another that maybe is listening to this conversation right here, he said, follow me. But this one says, Lord, let me first. Everybody say first. Let me first go and bury my father. Interestingly enough, in reading that passage, I always thought that that guy's father was already dead. When I was looking at at one of my parallel Bibles, it said that first I need to wait until my father dies, and then I bury him. Then I'll follow you. This is a tough statement for some people, but I'm just telling you this is the absolute truth, and it's all through Scripture, especially in Jesus' ministry. Family is not first. This guy said, first, got to take care of my dad. Does the scripture tell you to take care of your parents? Absolutely. i got to do that first, and then I'll have time to follow you. There are many, many, many more excuses, and there's a couple other here right after this I'll read in a moment. But listen to me. See, People have misinterpreted this passage by saying this. Family's not first, God's first. He didn't say that. Not anything we've read today where God was saying, I'm first, and everything else is second. Now I'm leading somewhere, don't don't lose me. Don't turn me off yet. What he said was, seek after the way I think first. Then you'll naturally put him first in everything. Family can be second, and it should be, But first and foremost is thinking like God. And you will be so much better representative to your family when you think like God than you thinking in your head, well, you know, I just don't have time to serve. I don't really have time to follow you. I really don't have time to do this and that because I got to go, you know, dad may be alive for 10 more years or whatever and I got to go take care of him. I mean, I know what it's like. I'm taking care of my father right now. I, I spend a, a, a few days a month, eight hours away with my father, and I, but I spend many hours on the phone throughout the, each week because of things that I'm having to do in dealing with my dad and believing God for his health and his well-being and all those kind of things. But that's not first. First is... I keep myself built up on the Word of God. I keep my confessions in line. I keep watching and judging my heart on a day-to-day basis, making sure that my responses to things are right, that pride has no... That thing I said to you Wednesday night where Jesus said, the devil has nothing in me. That needs to be our mark and our goal that the devil has no pride in us, no anger. No anger. The devil cannot stir up pride and anger and and division. Why? Because I put the word of God first. I put his kingdom, his way of thinking and operating first. 
And as a result of that being first, then everything else I do is productive. Jesus wasn't saying it was wrong for him to not take care of his father. I'm telling you, people have preached some stupid things. Why would God create family and then make it look like family's about five down on the, on the totem pole? No. I'll just say this. The way I see it is, and you have to learn to develop this because it wasn't this way with me after I got born again. I didn't like my family before I got born again. Didn't like my family after I got born again. Didn't like any of them. Stayed away from them for years. But when I put the word first, now today, family's everything to me. But you know what? After that, spiritual family is everything to me. After that, other things are, 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 but first, it's the kingdom. First, it's thinking the way he does so that every hat you wear, you can wear it with a passion. You can wear it with, not with an attitude, yeah, I got to take care of my dad. No, no, bad, wrong. But you'll never get that. If you don't put the kingdom first, and putting the kingdom first is putting the house of God first. It just is. It always was in the Old Testament, and it is today the same. And the house of God is the church, which is his body. So you filter all that thing down and understand that the church has to do with the people. But you're no good for the people if you're not putting the kingdom first. You're not creating a kingdom culture in your own personal life, then you're no good for the people. Because then you bring your non-kingdom mentality and ways of thinking into the church world with the people, and it contaminates. And you do, and we do, and people do, and everybody does. Everybody brings their junk. When you hear a message like this, some people take... The next five years to really get the hold of this. However long it takes, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you just don't quit, you'll get it. And you see kingdom culture established in your life, and you see you doing and being everything God created you to be to all the people around you. Everybody heard me in here today saying that family is good, right? That it's good to be about family, right? He just said, that's not first. There is a false commitment to family that God needs to deliver people of so that they can be effective with their family. Yeah, well, I just take care of my family. I hate them all, but I take care of them. No, you're no good for them. No, you're no good for them. No, no good for them. Notice what he said. Then he said to another, follow me. Then he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. To another also, he said, uh, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first. Everybody say first. See, this is a law of the first. (laughs) What was the thing he wanted to go do? Uh, Let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Some hospitality and, oh, I need to take care of this and I want to, I don't want them to leave and and be offended and I want to, no, 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 but Jesus said, follow me and do do it this way. It's not, it's not not being kind to your guests. It's if you're, if you're manipulated by your guests and you're taking care of natural things because you're not taking care of kingdom business thinking like him, then it'll get the best of you. And it will get the best of you. And you will find yourself living your life being obligated to things that are actually stealing from you, robbing from you, instead of enhancing and building you. But Jesus said to him, no one, watch this, and I'm ending with this, no one having put his hand to the plow 
and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Man, I know some people that probably left the church world from a passage like this. But how could you ever measure up to that if what's said here means you'll never measure up? (laughs) What needs to be done? Quit looking back. How do you quit looking back and looking at all the past mistakes and failures? By being kingdom-minded and kingdom-present now through the Word of God. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of stuff in the past. And sometimes those, that ugly stuff wants to crop up and say things to you. And No, 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 no. We're not giving in to that. We're not paying attention to that. You know, yeah, do whatever you got to do to correct things from the past. But you're not living in the past. I'm putting my hand to the plow. I am plowing. I am creating kingdom culture everywhere I go so that I can be a blessing to people and see their lives healed and delivered in the name of Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, the testimonies that are coming to me, that I'm hearing, sometimes I just hear them from someone else, but it's people that I've prayed for, I've stood for, I've, 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 I mean, every single day for years and years, I've declared over, and then you hear their life changed and set free. I shared the other day a testimony of a friend of mine that his, his, he'd been at odds with his dad for 30 plus years. He'd come to me many times. We prayed and we talked and I just, my encouragement, just don't quit. And in the last two weeks, there's been a supernatural turn and change that his dad has been in church and desiring to serve God after all these years. And, he, and he's in his mid-80s, his dad is. In his mid-80s. And now he's serving God. If we don't quit, we'll reap. Can you say amen? But you'll always quit if you're not creating that kingdom culture. Changing the way you think and thinking the way God does in every situation. Amen? So, I'll just end with this statement. I don't know why I bring these glasses up here and never use them. I need to quit because my eyes are getting stronger every day. In the name of Jesus. Every day. Every day. I can see you out there. I can see you. I can see the, the guy right here on the front row is Brian Atkins, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's Fabian. That's Fabian. I'm joking. I can see you clearly. Glory to Jesus. Because God's faithful to his word. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. You create kingdom culture, healing manifests. In so many different ways, healing manifests when you create a kingdom culture. There's no hype. You don't have to force it. You don't have to make it happen just happens. Can you say amen? I was going to say one last thing and then I got distracted by those glasses. Oh yeah. So I want to end with this. Um, I'm saying this after over 44 years of being in the kingdom of God, being in the church of Jesus Christ. I'm saying this. That We've promoted some false narratives of concerning church and church life. I'm telling you today, hear me when I say this, what church life is about is creating this kingdom culture. Church life is not about programs. It's not about, you know, making sure everybody's happy in the church and you know, doing everything to make sure nobody gets mad or whatever, whatever. I mean, we're not, no one wants people to be mad on purpose. But the church of Jesus Christ is to create a kingdom culture so that people 
that bring their mess in can be set free and healed. Everybody that has come into the kingdom of God, into the church world, brings mess in their mind. Everybody. You're not that good to think you don't have some mess. I'm talking about things that don't line up with the way God thinks. And the church world has to just stand firm and not bow down and back off from wrong thinking, nor be intimidated from wrong thinking. I'm telling you today that when you come here and you're a part of this place and you serve in in this house in whatever form or fashion, opportunities that you have to serve, and you stay committed to that, you're a part of establishing and creating a, a culture of God's way of thinking and operating that cannot be stopped and there's no limits to it. There's no end to it. It'll never stop if you just don't stop. If you're supposed to be here and you're supposed to be a part of this church, being here and being a part of it, whether you want to or you feel like it or you this or whatever, the opportunities that come your way to serve and be a part of this place is advancing that way of thinking. Because the greatest leaders on the planet are those who know how to serve because they want to, because they're serving the house of God, which is the church of God, which is the body of Jesus Christ in the earth. And when you serve that from a passion within that is developed through understanding God and his way of thinking, there's no end to what can happen in your life. There's no limits in your life because now your life, your personal life is tied to something that's so much bigger than you are. And what is that? The kingdom of God. Remember, it's not a natural kingdom, not yet. <laughs> he's coming to establish that, and there's no doubt he's coming back to do it. Someone shout amen to that. New heaven, new earth, all that, but what we're talking about right now is here on earth. So the kingdoms of the world will be swallowed up when the people think like the kingdom of God. Truly swallowed up, and then you'll have every country, every government on the planet look like the kingdom of God because everybody thinks like the kingdom of God. That's where it changes. That's where it changes. One person at a time, and that first person is you. Amen.